You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Good morning. Good morning again. Good morning. Is everyone hungry for the presence of the Lord? You thought I was talking about burgers, didn't you? Um, don't you just love it when the Lord shows up and interrupts our morning? It's just, if you're new to our church, you'll discover quickly that the presence of God is our highest priority. So when God is in the room, um, that's, that's all we want. Um, and so we try and pay attention to what he's doing and, and lean in. Um, well, a huge welcome to you. We're in a series at the moment uh, called Jesus and Mission. And we're exploring what it looks like to be a Jesus kind of people, a, a church that relentlessly and passionately and diligently follows Jesus wherever Jesus might go, whatever the cost, whatever it might look like, uh, to be a church where people come to faith, where the supernatural becomes normal, to be a church um, that is pursuing revival at all costs. And we're discovering, aren't we, that if we want to be that kind of church, we recognize that we have to be a community that lives beyond the walls of our building, lives beyond our walls and goes to find those that are far away. If we want to see every home reached and every single person invited home, we have to be a people who go. And today I want to talk about prayer. And you may be thinking, Josh, I thought we were talking about mission. Why are we talking about prayer? And let me say this. All of our ideas, our initiatives, and our innovations will come to nothing unless we pray. How many of you know it's impossible for our city to come alive and revival to be released without prayer? It's impossible for the kingdom of God to come in hull as it is in heaven without becoming a people of prayer. Prayer and mission are inextricably linked. In fact... What if prayer is actually the most important thing? John spoke last week on uh, John 15, abiding in the vine. And I'll say it this way. If we don't abide in God, bearing fruit is impossible. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But I'll also say this. If we do abide in God, fruit is inevitable. And God is going to move in our time. And we sense as a church some... God doing some wonderful things, an amazing amount of growth, lots of wonderful things happening, but we sense that there are some breakthroughs that we need that can only come through prayer. Personal breakthroughs, things like healings and freedom and deliverances and resources to be released and creativity and innovation of families being blessed that God wants to release through prayer. We sense there are some corporate breakthroughs that we need to fight for in prayer as a church, continued multiplication, Workers for the harvest field, leaders raised, ministries launched, that hope center which we're building. We never want to be a community that rests on human effort, do we? But we want to be a people blown by the wind of the Holy Spirit, following him wherever he might go. This happens by prayer. And then there are some citywide breakthroughs for our city and beyond. The reality is, church, that there are spiritual strongholds in our city that need to be broken. The Bible is clear that in particular areas there exist spiritual strongholds that need to be broken down. Let me give you an example in the Bible, book of Daniel, chapter 10, an angel appears to Daniel and says, your prayer was heard, Daniel. 
Uh, but I, w- I would have come to you sooner, but the spirit prince of Persia resisted me for 21 days. Now, I don't want to build a theology out of some of the stranger verses, but could it be possible that the enemy has long established strongholds in our city which need to be broken? Generational addiction and poverty, low self-esteem and broken families, areas in our city which seem to be caught in a web of darkness. Church, I want to suggest that if we want to see a harvest in our city, particularly in areas of brokenness and deprivation and darkness, we must till the soil of our land in prayer. So we're going to be moving into a summer series, journeying through prayer and looking at the Lord's Prayer. It's going to be so good. I'm excited for it. But today I want to just start by asking the question, what if? What if we became known as a church for our prayer? What if seeking the face of God was actually the one thing that we pursued? What if our hearts went after revival at all costs? What if What could happen in our homes, in our lives, in our cities, in our families if we took seriously the invitation of God to become a people who pray? If you've got a Bible, turn it open to Luke chapter 11, which can be one verse to kick things off. Luke 11 verse 1 says this, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place when he finished One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, did you know there's no other example in the New Testament of Jesus' disciples asking him to teach them anything? And Jesus did a lot of incredible things. He healed the sick. He he raised the dead. The disciples didn't say, Jesus, would you teach us how to raise the dead? I think I would have said, Jesus, teach me how to walk on water. That looks awesome. How do I do that? They never said, teach us how to cast out demons. You know, I I would ask all those questions. They said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Now, why do you think they specifically asked Jesus to teach them to pray out of everything else? I think it is because the disciples knew that everything in Jesus' life of significance, all his miracles and power and healing and casting out demons, his preaching, his destroying the works of Satan, that all flowed from his connection to the Father, which was birthed in prayer. Prayer holds the power. All of our initiatives and innovation and ideas come to nothing without prayer. Pete Gregg talks about this, like you get a birthday, a Christmas present, a, a toy when you were younger, you open it up, and, and it doesn't have any batteries in it, and it, it doesn't work. It's like prayer is the batteries, prayer is the power that fuels all of our mission. And we're following Jesus, we're becoming a Jesus people, and I don't know if you know this, but Jesus prayed a lot. You read the Bible? Jesus prayed all the time. Pete Gregg in his brilliant book, How to Pray, writes this, the greatest person who ever lived was preeminently a man of prayer. I'll give you some examples. Before launching out into his public ministry, Jesus prayed and fasted for a month in the wilderness. Before choosing his 12 disciples, he prayed all night. When he discovered his cousin, John the Baptist, had been murdered, he prayed. 
When he was exhausted after feeding the 5,000, he climbed a mountain to pray when the pressures and the busyness of ministry surrounded him. He withdrew to pray. He prayed for Peter when Satan asked God to sift him. He prayed when confronted in the Garden of Gethsemane with soul-deep grief and stress. Prayer was woven into the fabric of Jesus's life. He was a man of prayer. And if Jesus prayed so much, what makes us think that we don't need to? Jesus, teach us to pray. Corey Russell, who is an amazing guy on prayer, he wrote a book called Teach Us to Pray. Um, And he writes this, at the end of the day, what the disciples wanted was Jesus' prayer life. They knew what happened when he closed his eyes and spoke to the Father. They understood that there was a way to pray, and they desperately wanted to be taught it. They had connected the dots and discovered that Jesus' public life of ministry was the direct result of his private life of prayer. So good. Now, hands up if you find prayer the easiest thing in the world. Great. We're all in good company. Prayer is a complicated thing. Um, If we're honest, I don't think any of us will have the prayer life we want or know that we should have. The word prayer itself carries with it some sort of baggage for some people, maybe some guilt, maybe some confusion or frustration. Prayer is probably the one thing in the life of a Christian that we know we should do but struggle to do. Can anyone else relate to that? Or is that just me? Maybe you can't. Maybe you're here and you love prayer and the alarm goes off. Yes, you wake up before your alarm at 5.45 and you jump out of bed. You're not even tired. You run downstairs. You make a coffee. You fall to your knees. You're weeping and you're praying and it's amazing. If that's you, then um, can you preach, please? Uh, Now, I don't know about you, but pretty much for my entire Christian life, um, prayer is something that I have been frustrated by. Not prayer itself, but rather the experience that I have that most of the time prayer feels like a battle. Prayer feels like a fight. I'm meant to be connecting with my creator and waging war on the kingdom of darkness, breaking down spiritual wars, preparing the way for people to come to know Jesus, redistributing resources in prayer. And five seconds in, I'm like, I wonder what's happening on the BBC website. I need to check it. I'm desperate. What's going on? Now, the reality is in our time and our culture, it's one of the most difficult times in history to pray. Do you know that? Lots of reasons. Let me share a few. Firstly, digital distraction. We have a universe of information and news and social media and fun and messages and constant distraction in our pockets, asking us, begging us, calling us to engage and open. We think these devices are designed to connect us They're not. They're designed to distract us from connection and addict our attention to a digital space. That's bad news. For some of us, if we're really honest, prayer feels a little boring. For some of us, it carries a religious burden like it's box ticking. For some of us, in our busy, hurried, consumed lives with kids and shift work and whatever it might be, we simply feel like we just don't have time to pray like we should. For some of us, we feel like maybe we need to get everything right in order to pray. Some people, it's like, I just don't even know what to say. I don't know how to pray Some of us think our motives need to be right before we can pray, or we need to fully understand God before we can come to him in prayer. Some of us have had prayers that we've prayed desperately not get answered, and then we wonder, well, is God even listening at all? Some of us feel guilt at our lack of prayer. 
We read the stories throughout church history of heroes of faith waking up at four in the morning. Anyone read those? Four in the morning, we forget they didn't have electricity. So they went to bed at eight o'clock in the evening. It's a different thing. We need to chill out a bit. So hopefully I'll break some of those barriers. What is prayer? In a nutshell, really simple, prayer is talking with God. Paul Miller writes this, prayer is simply the medium through which we experience and connect to God. Prayer itself is not the end goal. Intimacy with God, connection to God, relationship with God is the heart of prayer. This is the invitation. It's not to a religious practice. It's to Jesus. It's an invitation to communion with God. It's to experience and encounter his presence. And it's an invitation every day to hear the voice of our Heavenly Father speaking to his kids. It's an invitation to position ourselves in a place where we can receive what God has for us. It's an invitation to find our source and our sustenance in him. It's an invitation to say no to exhaustion and burnout and anxiety and fear and worry and replace that with a life in prayer. It's an invitation to explore the mysteries of heaven and work out how we can make the supernatural become normal. It's an invitation as we look outwards to our city to seeing our broken reality become realigned with God's divine design. And that's prayer. So let me dig a bit deeper and in the last few minutes of my time, I'd love us to um, share a few thoughts on prayer from Luke chapter 3, if you have a Bible. It's one of the most significant, pivotal moments in the life of Jesus, Jesus' baptism. There is something in this passage that I have read hundreds of times and missed about prayer, and I wonder if you will spot it. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. This is a moment of revelation, an encounter of affirmation. The father speaks these words over Jesus, Jesus, you are my son, I love you, I am pleased with you. The Holy Spirit falls, descends in bodily form like a dove. We see this beautiful interaction between the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But the thing I missed all these years was that prayer was involved. Do you see that? When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. As he was praying, As he was praying, nothing in the Bible is unintentional. The author wants us to know that this moment of encounter with God, revelation of who Jesus is, an affirmation of his identity as God's son, his anointing with the Holy Spirit, that all happens while Jesus is praying. Now, three things happen in that moment which I believe God wants to release to us as a church through prayer for the sake of our city. Firstly, heaven gets opened. Heaven is opened. As Jesus prays, the veil between heaven and earth is somehow opened and something of heaven invades earth. This is the power of prayer. As we pray, it's an invitation to partner with God to release heaven on earth. Did you know that as sons and daughters, our divine purpose and our mandate as Christians in the physical here on earth, but also in the spiritual, is to partner with God to bring heaven on earth? Did you know that? 
We do that in the physical by loving people and sharing the gospel and feeding the hungry, but we do that also in the spirit by prayer. We take our seat in the government of God and we fight our battles on our knees. Prayer is walking in the authority that God has given us and bringing hope to everywhere we go. If we want to see more of heaven invade earth and more of heaven manifest on earth, we must increase in prayer. We're going to look at this in a few weeks, but Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus wants us to pray that the ways and the value system and the government and the healthcare system and the creativity of heaven would break into our now. The future would come. Did you know prayer is time travel? It's breaking into the future and bringing some of that into our today. And if we want to see our city changed and transformed, if we want to see spiritual forces dismantled, if we want to prepare the ground for people to come to know Jesus, if we want an open heaven over our city, we must pray. Secondly, the Spirit of God moves when we pray. Did you know every move of God, every revival is birthed in prayer? But most of the time when we hear stories of revival, it's old ladies you, you thought about that? It's just old ladies praying, two old ladies praying, and then revival bursts out. They pray for 90 years. Sometimes we think prayer is for old people. It's not. It's for everyone. And I believe that wherever you find yourself, whether, whatever your sphere of influence is, whether it's a work or university or school, it's on God's heart to see revival in that place. It's God's heart for his spirit to be poured out and people to come to know Jesus. What if God was waiting for a people of faith in an environment to say, do you know what? I'm going to faithfully and consistently pray for this environment. You work in the hospital, begin to pray for people and for the staff. What if you work, go to university? I felt this when I was a student at Needler Hall. Um, back in the day in Cottingham, I felt God asked me to pray for my halls of residence, which subsequently has been demolished. So I clearly did a terrible job. <laughs> it's now an Aldi. <laughs> I used to sleep in aisle three. Um, but I was called to pray for my halls, and I began praying at night for my halls, and then I felt God say, okay, Josh, you've been praying, now I want you to go. And he gave me an idea of what to do. I went to the shops, and I bought loads of mini chocolate bars, and I went around all my halls, knocking on doors, and said, I've got a chocolate bar for you. And they went, that's the weirdest thing in the world. And I said, I just wanted to let you know that Jesus loves you. If you start praying, please expect that you're going to be the answer to your own prayer. Or God's going to equip you and send you out. If we want to see a move of the Holy Spirit in our city, we need to be a people who pray. But it's closer to home than that. We long for the Spirit of God to move in our church, don't we? In greater measure. We long for an increase of his activity and our sensitivity to him. What he's doing. We long for people to come to know Jesus. Born again. Radically transformed as a work of the Spirit. How many of you know God comes where he's wanted? We need to be a people who pray. Finally, revelation is released to Jesus. These are the words the Father speaks over Jesus as he prays. He says this, you are my son. I love you. I'm pleased with you. Words of identity, words of affection, words of pleasure spoken over Jesus before he began his ministry, before he healed anyone 
before he accomplished anything of significance, God the Father says, you are my son, I love you, I'm pleased with you. In a place of prayer, in a place of communion with God, connection to God, Jesus is told who he is. He's told how much God loves him. He's told that God finds pleasure in him. And it's from that place of strength and identity from which Jesus steps into ministry. Too many Christians try and do good things for God in order to earn affection from God. That's religion. If I can only walk enough old ladies across the road, maybe God will love me. If I can fast and even pray, if I can tick all these religious boxes, maybe, just maybe, I can get into God's good books. Well, let me say that is every religion on earth except following Jesus. Every religion says, I want to climb the ladder of good deeds in order to maybe get good enough in order to be accepted by God. Jesus would say, you are accepted as you are. He loves you. He is pleased with you. And it's in a place of connection to God that you were born for that that is released. Maybe you're here today and you don't know who you are. You don't know who you are. Jesus wants to meet you and encounter you and speak words of life over you. Maybe you don't know what you're called to. Jesus wants to bring you to a place of intimacy and connection and release purpose upon your life. If you're in that struggle today, God is inviting you to pray, to receive again his Holy Spirit, to hear words of love and care and affection in a place of prayer. As you draw near to God, guys, he draws near to you. That's a promise that when you sit down, no matter how you feel, in any moment and say, God, I'm struggling, but I am here. He is right there with you. He's just waiting, like the the father, the prodigal son, waiting, looking, ready for you. And as you draw near, he heals, and he calls, and he commissions, and he forgives, and he equips, and he redeems, and he restores, and he sends you out in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the beauty and the power of prayer. So where do we begin? Well, I'd say we begin right now as we're going to pray. But also Monday morning, tomorrow when rubber hits the road, how many of you are going to feel fired up to pray after today? And then when your alarm goes off tomorrow, it's like, I hate my life. This sucks. Um, We have a prayer gathering every single Monday for us to pray for revival. And uh, we're going to be going big. It's going to be amazing. We're going to just be pressing into God every single Monday night here at church at 7.30. I want to invite you to do that. Um, since January, I've been hosting a Monday morning prayer meeting. And people, people, you know, a few people come up to me and said, oh, you, you know, well done for hosting a morning prayer meeting. You're so holy. And I'm like, I'm not. The only reason I'm hosting it is so that I have to pray because it's in my house. And I know that I don't trust my flesh not to get out of bed on time. So I make myself do it. Um, So we're going to pray. So that's a great place to start. But also, you just get going. We learn to pray by just simply going for it. Wherever we find ourselves, it doesn't have to be first thing in the morning. But I love this idea that Jesus is the first person we look to in the morning, the first person we talk to in the morning, the first person whose voice we hear in the morning. Don't go on your phone. Turn to Jesus and create some space. Find a space. And just even if it's like... Lord Jesus, I'm struggling, but I need you. Come. That's a great place to start. And as we continue in prayer, 
I believe that heaven is going to be opened over our city. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out. And I believe we are going to know our true identity as sons and daughters in order to fulfill the call of God upon our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.